On the new Restaurant Influencers Podcast, you will learn how to tell your story online and how to be found. We have teamed up with Entrepreneur Magazine, Yelp, and Toast, our primary point of sale partner, to bring you this weekly video series. Please subscribe so you do not miss an episode. And if you'd like to learn more about the show, visit us at calibbq.media. Welcome to Restaurant Influencers powered by Entrepreneur and Yelp. My name is Sean Walchef, founder of Cali Barbecue Media. In life and in the restaurant business, we learn through lessons and stories. Today's guest, we have Gary Canfer of Kisaki Brand. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. So you, it's funny, we got this podcast set up through a mutual, well, a friend of mine through the digital space. His name's Kyle and Sarah. He's been a former guest on this show. Um, so I came in blind and I did my digital deep dive in the lift on the way here. And the first thing you do is you go to an Instagram page. And through that Instagram page took me to your mobile first website. And your mobile first website took me to this plethora of press. Literally, we started this podcast to find restaurant influencers. What you are doing in the city, what you are doing with your brand is exactly why we started this show. Um, how did you do it? Well, I am myself, I would consider myself a branding marketing guy. Guy, I own an agency called Big Drop and at Big Drop we work with a lot of Fortune 500 companies. Uh, our biggest clients are in the city, Northwell, Altis, uh, we have done work for uh, brands like Samsung, Citibank, uh, you name it. The majority of the big brands came through the door of uh, this agency. Um, at one point, uh, I kind of plateaued as a CEO of the agency and uh, I was looking for uh, a challenge in my life and uh, I got into the hospitality industry. Uh, Actually, downstairs. <laughs> that's, that's a quite a challenge. <laughs> yeah, well, downstairs uh, there was a retail uh, shop where years ago there used to be a, a, a old coffee place. They went out of business about four or five years ago. And every time I would w walk to work, I would just pass by and I would say to myself, "I'm gonna do something here. I'm gonna do something here." And at that time, I, I was I was a big fanatic of omakase which is chef's choice. So if you guys don't know what omakase is, you come to a sushi bar mm -hmm. and you just tell the chef what allergies you have and then the chef just, uh, you know, just uh, cuts the fish, makes the rice and gives you uh, a sushi piece, which is called a nigiri. And uh, piece by piece, it's like you're in his world and it's his choice and uh, for me, I, I while working the agency, I would go myself even sometimes uh, at lunch and I would try all these different omakase spots. And I started doing research. Uh, I seen that there definitely was a margin. It was a pretty good model. And I said to myself, one day, I want to get into it. But I was also looking into a coffee brand. Uh, I was a fanatic in coffee as well. And in New York City, you know, you had so many, I, I considered them, I would say the second generations were the Starbucks and then the third generation were like the Bluestone Lane and the Birch Coffees and they were just before COVID they were just exploding around the city and my first choice was to open a coffee shop and uh, that's how you know we started uh, doing our research we did the naming my agency is called Big Drop and we came out for the coffee brand and we called it The Drop 
So I love that. To drop one of the messages and drop uh, everything, make something. Uh, and uh, when I got into to the, when I rented uh, the unit downstairs, I'm like, you know, this is so big. Uh, what am I going to do with this? And I came up with an idea. The idea to open up a secret room in the back with an omakase bar. Really? Yeah, that's. So cool. how big was the space? It's it's about eighteen hundred square feet. Okay. So uh, you come in. It's a coffee shop, and in the back. So how much of the door. space did you use for the coffee brand? I would say it's fifty fifty. They share a kitchen. Wow. Yeah. And, and what year did you do this? That was our first one. So. What was happening? Uh, we we I partnered up with with a chef that had his own uh, omakase brand uh, in Astoria called Gaijin, and he wanted to leave for Opportunity Grove. So we you know we met in this office. Uh, you know he definitely liked that I was an agency guy. You know I had already experience with Grove, and uh, about seven to eight months before COVID, we started building the brand. Went through naming, uh, came up with Kasaki, means the tip of the knife, uh, and that was supposed to be our first one. We didn't open it because of COVID. Mm -hmm. We, when we were building it, you know, uh, there was uh, it was taking so long. So, in the middle of building it, I found a place on Bowery, and while this was building, I convinced my partner <laughs> like we gotta listen. We. You know, this is taking too long. You know, he's leaving from his current place where all his people are going to go. They're going to go to other places. Let's get this thing going on Bowery. I basically built our first and flagship location of Bowery in about three and a half months. Three and a half months. Yeah, That's GC, incredible. I GC the project myself. <laughs> we, we opened, I thought I had a lot of GC experience after just putting in a pool in my house in Long Island. So <laughs> that's fantastic. You sound I, like my grandfather. I dove right in, you know, while building this one. Yes. So of course I dove right in. We opened 45 days before COVID and it was a success from the start. Then COVID happened and uh, we didn't have a to go model. We had nothing. So we were all uh, and my wheel started spinning. I, I feel like if I was in the industry long enough, I wouldn't have that kind of motivation because it, it's it's a tough industry. Very tough. Very tough. Uh, uh, but I I wasn't in the industry for 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 too long. I mean I, I was. Did you have restaurant clients? Uh, when at, with the agency, yeah. We did Lacroix. Okay. The, the drink. Uh, maybe there's a couple of restaurants in the beginning stages, but restaurants don't have the budgets for agencies. Correct. They yeah. don't invest a lot into their marketing. They don't invest a lot into their packaging. And the ones that are successful do, like Carbone. If you look at their bags, I remember even when I, you know, in the beginning of days of being in Big Drop, I remember their bags. I was like, whoa, you know. They, and for me, it was always you invest into the brand. And, you know, there is a cost in the beginning, but at least, you know, you're different and you're, you're sending a different message to the consumer and it's not like just comparing every restaurant it's like why is this restaurant different it's it's about you know uh, the way how you're treated when you come inside of the restaurant it's the way how their website works it's the way you know how they serve their food so for me i am uh i consider myself 
being a pro in user experience and uh, user experience online. And then, you know, your whole experience when you're coming into the restaurant and by how you're greeted, by everything, I feel like it falls in line with the user experience on digital. Yeah, so we our philosophy is digital hospitality. That's yeah. all businesses needs to be digital first. No matter if you're a yeah. retail business or yeah. a restaurant business, yeah. you have to invest in the infrastructure yeah. of that online experience. Yeah. And every business is in the hospitality business. Yeah. One of the things I love about what you're telling me is how important the story is and how important the brand is. Yeah. For somebody that's listening to this podcast that's thinking about getting into the hospitality space, getting into the restaurant space, yeah. what advice would you have when they're building a brand? What does brand mean to you? A brand means a lot. I feel like uh, you, you you need to think about on you need to think about the person that's actually your target audience, the people that you're trying to deliver the product to, uh, how are they looking at it? What are they supposed to feel? What's the competitive analysis? I remember building Kasaki, we we spent a lot of time on, on branding, on brand positioning, on the competitive analysis. Uh, and if you're looking at an oversaturated market, then you know your research is important. Sometimes I feel like some brands that spend so much in opening the restaurant, if they would just spend a little bit more on doing their research, they would probably be able to save a lot of that burn in the beginning. But uh, it matters who your partner is on the digital side because a lot of uh, companies that are out there, they're just there to take your money. Yeah. So it's important to you know, pick a good partner and then it's important to do a lot of stuff in-house yourself. So that's, I, I love the in-house part because yeah. not everyone's going Nobody to build an agency. Yeah. No one's going to build an agency yeah. then to build the restaurant. But one of the things that we like to talk about is smartphone storytelling. There's yeah. never been a time yeah. where the democratization of technology has allowed yeah. someone that's a single unit barbecue restaurant owner yeah. to partner with Yelp and Entrepreneur yeah. to do incredible things. Yeah. What do you see moving forward for restaurants and hospitality as far as this digital smartphone storytelling um, well, I feel like restaurants should definitely invest into their brand. Some of them do, but the thing is that a lot of restaurants, they just don't have the funds. Yeah. But there is certain ways how to do certain things where it's, you know, there's workarounds, you know, there's, there's, there's freelancers, there's websites like, uh, uh, Upwork, where you could find uh, maybe a branding, uh, someone that could just build your brand cheaper than going to an agency. I feel like uh, it's important to invest into your content. It's important to explain to the to the consumer who you are. What is the point? What is the point for them coming into the sushi bar? There's so many different sushi bars. How are you guys different? You don't have to be better than others. But they need to understand what you're standing, like why you're there, like what are you trying to do, what are you trying to achieve, and that message is so important. And uh, I walk around and I just see all these restaurants, and I'm just like looking at the restaurant on the corner that's opening up, and uh, it used to be Roast, they went okay. out of business, okay. had a good model, went out of business, but. And now I'm just looking at this, I don't remember the name of the restaurant that's going in, but just by me just looking at that, just their logo 
and not understanding what they're about and what they do, it, I just feel like they have such a disadvantage. I feel like they didn't spend enough time on understanding who they really are. I love that you say that because once you understand who you are, it becomes not only easy for you to market your own message, yeah. but really what we talk about is you go from marketing to media where you're creating a story where other people are actually going to carry your story forward. Yeah. The way that you've generated so much press, yeah. legacy media. Yeah. You can create your own media. Yeah. Literally, we got ignored for five years in a yeah. location. Yeah. We thought we were doing great work. No one cared in San Diego. Yeah. No yeah. one cared about us. No one wrote about us. No one yeah. came out with the local news. Yeah. But then we started creating our own story, telling our own story. Yeah. And now we have all those opportunities. Yeah. What advice do you have to somebody that is trying to get their story heard if they're in the business? Uh, I feel that it's important to have a good story. Uh, I feel like that we, what really helped us, it, 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 it's, it's, COVID helped us, I feel like. We were and you leaned into it. We leaned into You weren't COVID. shy. We were not shy. You and You weren't uh, shy to answer we, questions. We, so what happened was, is that, during COVID, uh, everything just froze. Everybody just wanted to, t everybody was scared. They wanted to take a break and they didn't really understand what was going on. For me, I just, I'm like, you know what? This is an opportunity. We don't have our logistics. We don't have our to-go model. At that time, we let go of our creative department at Big Drop. All I had is a designer and I just took the creative role and I just started designing these boxes. So my idea was like, all right, so we're, delivering omakase in the restaurant, how can we give that same experience to someone at home? So I just started working, you know, I, again, I found ways. So it, it takes a lot of hustle. I went on Alibaba. I found uh, uh, packaging companies. Yeah. I did all the logistics myself. I had no experience on how to get product from China, all customs, all the logistics. And I designed this box where it's a beautiful box. You know, for those so, of you watching on YouTube, yeah, so, if you're listening on podcasts, check out the YouTube so you can yeah. see the box. So it's the box. There's just nice sushi, mm -hmm. and I felt like you know what? When it's like a, a wife bringing, I mean, a wife or a husband, wife or a husband, yeah, a, a wife or a husband bringing their significant other, you know, uh, a shoe box, you know, like they were. Or, or a, a bag box or something, just opening well, it up. It's an Apple experience. Yeah. So I mean, that's what we're all searching for. Is yeah. how, how do you make that to yeah. go that packaging? Yeah. So that you actually feel yeah. there, there's love that went into that design. It did, and you know that's the wallpaper that we have in our restaurant, the fish, and I felt like you know what, giving them the experience at home, and uh, it just. I remember the first day we opened to go. We had a line out the door. Just it was a line. We 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 like had no to go experience. At one point, I looked at the chef. He looked at me. <laughs> I looked at the tickets. I thought he was gonna walk out. I, I, we got through that day. Um, you know, uh, restaurant nightmare. And uh, you know, uh, our to go model strives significantly. Uh, you know, there's a there's even a. We were part of the Omakase series that Eater did uh, about our to-go motto. Uh, and uh, I feel like if we didn't do the to-go model, we would have been dead in the water. So I pivoted from the to-go model. I got into the Hamptons. I opened the Hamptons location from the Hamptons. I got into Greenwich and other locations. 
and I was just pivoting. So how, how many locations are we you? We have five locations and You've five, are, five locations five are in the, the works that are going to open within <laughs> a year. Um, uh, you know, build, we, we have a pretty good executive team. We're still working on culture where we, we, we still have a lot of issues, uh, but I think we're, we're, we're doing well as a team and we're learning, we're growing, we're learning from our mistakes and we're getting better. So I have a two part question. What keeps you up at night and then what wakes you up? What pulls you out of bed in the morning? What pulls me out of bed in the morning? So there's two variances for that. Sometimes at 3 a.m. I'll, I'll wake up. And I'll just look through my phones. I'll look through emails. But lately, I've been getting away from that because I, I know I'll be up till 4.30, 5 a.m. And the other thing that wakes me up, one of my three kids that are under seven. I have a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old. You do. Yeah, wow. So, Congratulations. So, yeah. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> if they're not waking you up or keeping you up. Yeah. But that's why we do it, right? Yeah. No, it definitely, you know, uh, I definitely struggle with the, the work life balance. My wife always complains that I never give enough time to the family. I mean, uh, I definitely have to work on it. Uh, I'm getting better, but uh, it's, it's, you know, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, uh, for me, it's about what's important for me. It's just where I, what I enjoy is seeing other team members grow. Yeah. So if they're growing, they're growing with me. That means I'm doing a good job. So for, for me, it's to, to hire the right person, to make sure they have the right material and that they're set up for success, you know, and then have a system in place that monitors KPIs and certain things. It's important to see the problem before it's the problem. So what I'm working right now is, you know, on all these visualizations, dashboards, KPIs, for example, why is this one waiter earning more tips than the other waiter? Mm -hmm. How much can the sushi chef comparing other, you know, and that's granular. I think we have a lot of more other things that we're trying to, uh, you know, a lot of things that has to come together on the macro side before we get on the granule side. But, you know, we're building. And uh, one of my challenges in this industry, I feel like this industry is a dinosaur in technology. Yes. So when I started building this logistic company, you had to, you know, one, you For online ordering, it was one system. For reservations, it was another system. Connecting everything to your POS, but sometimes your POS uh, doesn't integrate with uh, a driver, like DoorDash Drive. And, and not only that, like as uh, I'm used to, you know, looking at ROIs, what's my cost per acquisition, what's my lead cost, what's my conversion cost, and none of the online platforms they don't even let you put a pixel on the website to track your conversions. So if someone is purchasing something from your website and you're using the third party platform, they don't even have a pixel in place to show you what your cost per acquisition is. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that I, we've been working on six to seven months, which is a good story. I come from the agency and sure. I'm in the restaurant industry. So we've been building a platform called Tastely. Cool. With Big Drop. Really? Yeah. And uh, it's a... Uh, it's an all-in-one um, online ordering uh, reservation and a marketing tool for small restaurants that are able to grow their brand through SMS, through uh, integrating you know, their Instagram accounts and tracking their conversions. Because look, you might have a good product, right? There's a lot of restaurants that have a good product, but if you don't know how to market that product, Correct. it's going to be challenging. Mm -hmm. 
you know, for me, I'm very big on ads. I'm very big on the, you know. Uh, Why is it important? I, I think it doesn't get talked about enough, and I'm happy that you brought it up, especially well, with an agency background. I know what my cost per each reservation is, so I could grow it faster because I know if I could push on, you know, oh, so I'm getting my reservation, my cost per reservation, for example, is $40. My uh, revenue per reservation is $500, right? For example, because two and a half, people to on average about $500 it's higher ticket items at the Omakasi bar the $40 will make sense if I am able to if I am a fast food place the $40 is not gonna make sense Correct. so but there's you know there's different things that you could do why is it important because you could control your revenue than just opening your doors and hoping like who's hoping gonna call pray. me who's gonna make a reservation what's going to happen today so it, it, that's very important the problem is if the cost per acquisition the reservation is higher than you know well you need to first know like what makes sense for me so the consumer comes in once like but you know he's gonna it's the lifetime so what's the lifetime cost so all of that uh, you know you need to put some thought in it and you need to create a system that you need to follow which helped me grow faster and some 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 people like oh how did this guy grow so fast? And I well first of all we have a good product thanks to my chef and the culinary mm -hmm. team. You know the product is is good. Yeah. You know but you know now the product the way the product at his old restaurant the product was similar, but it didn't have that kind of brand behind it. Yeah. Now the product is something else and has a lot to do with the brand. You added gasoline to the fire. Yeah. 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 So the last question I want to ask you about is sure. something that means a lot to me. It's something that I failed at early on and I'm still <coughs> working at. It's it's surrounding myself with mentors and coaches, people that are going to push me to be better. And a lot of the times I didn't even realize early on that I actually did have mentors and coaches. Who who inspires you and who uh, who, who helps you along your way? Uh, man, I wish I had more mentors. I uh, I feel like I might not be a good example for that because I feel like I just been pushing myself and I feel like seeing you know my family growing kids and knowing that I have to do it for the for the family and for their future and you know I came here I was an immigrant I came from the former USSR Russia when I was seven years old you know we were okay there but once we came here we had nothing yeah so uh, you know. My kids are doing better than me. Yeah. You know, we live in a house. Uh, they're going to better schools. Uh, so I, f I wish I had mentors and it probably would have helped me tremendously. And something that I'm like, I always think about, oh, I wish I had a good mentor. You know, right now I'm at a stage where I am speaking to a lot of s serious people that I'm hoping might be mentors for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for me, I feel like it's it's my own drive. It's my drive and just thinking about, uh, you know, the growth of the company and thinking about doing something good for this industry and seeing the growth of my family. I appreciate your vulnerability. It's... Uh... Yeah. It means a lot, and I hope people that are listening to this podcast that you understand somebody's as successful as Gary 
is willing to share that he doesn't have a mentor. Imagine when he actually surrounds himself with mentors. I can't, I can't even see what you're going to build. I mean, it's super exciting. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. No Where, where's the best way for people to connect with you on online? Uh, well, uh, my Instagram account is Gary with two R's, Gary Camfer. I feel like uh, if someone's messaging me, I'm always uh, reading or LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Gary Canfer, uh, thank you so much. You guys can connect with me at Sean P. Walchef on all the social handles. Uh, if you want to reach out, Sean at Cali Barbecue Media. Uh, we appreciate you listening to the show. Catch you next week.